And so I know every deal is a new deal. I very seldom go, oh, that reminds me of that one. <laughs> so, you know, people can't watch YouTube videos and not have some sort of mentorship or expertise in front of them to turn to what's the best way to put this together. Like you've come up with an amazing way. I just, you know, found out, which is bringing in other investors and, and being able to buy large projects and properties, you know, and bring in and creating a win-win for everybody to, to enjoy the, the benefits. Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate, from co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host, broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on all my deals. This month, I'm giving away a document called Breaking Down the LOI, which will walk you through the different segments of a letter of intent, which is the non-binding document you send a seller when you offer to purchase their property. You can find the document and many more at www.elliepearlman.com slash resources. If you enjoy the podcast, take a minute to subscribe and rate us. That will be very much appreciated. Okay, so my guest today is Tamara Aragon. She's a real estate investor, life coach, and author. At the age of 20, she founded her first multi-million dollar company, and since then, she has grown many, many successful businesses, both online and offline. Tamara has been investing in real estate since 2003 and has coached many entrepreneurs since 2005. She mainly, you know, what she does in real estate, she flips single family homes and has over 500 real estate transactions under her belt averaging five flips every month. Welcome to the show, Tamara. Thank you for having me. What an honor. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Tamara, where are you calling us from today? Big town. Actually, we do have almost uh, uh, 400,000 people. Stockton, California. Stockton, California. That's I didn't know where it was before we started Peter recording. Sacramento. You know, I had someone stay at my house. They said it was home of nothing near everything. We're about an hour from the Bay Area, Tahoe, Sacramento, or just like, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. All right. Very cool. Can you tell us a bit more about your background and how you started investing in real estate? You got about two hours? No. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to hear a story? A five minute story? Absolutely. All right. So when I was 20, I founded a, I'm going to jump right into that, a business that ended up being a multi-million dollar business that has nothing to do with real estate and ran it successfully for many, many years, about like eight, close to 10, actually, when it started failing at eight, because the type of business I was doing required, required a certain amount of funding. The government ended up stopping. I worked with nursing homes. And so I had my mom working for me and I was 28 when my firstborn, I call my first business, my firstborn started to die. 
So everybody became unemployed. What happened? I struggled to keep it up, but couldn't. That happened to be also a time when the market was falling. Of course, I wasn't involved in real estate, but it still affected my husband, who was, he was a builder. So I was, I was living the dream life, I guess you could say. I, I had a really handsome husband, eight acres, and I flipped horses before I flipped houses. I had Arabian horses, 17 of them at that point. You flipped horses? How, flipped how does horses. someone flip horses? <laughs> you buy them, you fix them up, and you sell them. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to ask, how do you fix a horse? How do you fix a horse? Well, you raise them. So I had I bought a nice mare and a nice stud and started breed them out. And so, you know, you watch them get born, you maybe own them for a little bit. And then when they're babies still, you sell them. So I did that with a really good high end Arabian horse breed. I have always loved horses. I still own. That is something I still love. So anyway, it was my dream really ended up moving my business onto that eight acres had trucks and in multiple States and did lots of, lots of uh, things. It was actually clothing catered to nursing home residents. I had a degree and decided, you know, I don't want to fight with all those fashion stores out there and I'm, I'm going to start my own. And I, that's a whole nother story. So long story short there though, this thing that I built from nothing on my own without really any, I mean, I started with $2,500 out of college. So I really didn't get a lot of guidance. I'm not from an entrepreneurial family. I'm from two hardworking parents that work full-time jobs and a couple kids and did what they could. So I really was just did it by uh, pure grit, I guess I call it, and hard work. And I just loved it. I just loved what I did. But of course, I, you know, as, as many young people, I thought it all, I had life figured out. And then life happened. You know, that happened and then uh, that caused a strain in my marriage at the time. So that ended up ending. My mom ended up getting cancer, ended up moving in and helping her. She ended up passing away. So I ended up with nothing really, except for a beautiful son who's now just turned 32 this week, who was a baby at the time. So other than that, I really, really lost all my millions, all my eight acres, all my horses, and in the process, a lot of friends that you thought were friends. And so I was moving along at that point in my life, trying to figure out what to do and probably a little stressed out. And in that process of stress, I got in a really bad car accident and became bedridden. I mean, really bad. So, but you know, I think I just wasn't done yet. Sometimes God throws you down until he's like, hello. <laughs> Are you ready to lean on some other people and maybe on me? So I got to that point and I reached up for help. And a lot of people started coming back around, found faith. God was really important to me at that point. And that sometimes happens. And as I started building my life back out, I was at an airport and looked on the shelf. And I was, you know, trying to figure out what to put on the airplane. And I saw a book called One Minute Millionaire. And it jumped out on the, off, the, uh, off the bookshelf pretty much. It said, buy me. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that book talks. So I bought it. I read it. I quickly, it's perfect for an ADHD or like me, because on one side, it's uh, Robert Allen and Mark Victor Hansen wrote it. And on one side, it's a story about a lady who starts from nothing and builds something. And the other side is facts, how to do it. And it's based on the, the premise of multiple streams of income. So it's a really interesting read and I had never heard of, and I know now everybody knows, but I didn't know of multiple streams of income. I never heard of Robert Allen and never considered doing real estate investing until I read that book. 
Then I found out Robert and Mark were going to be up in LA area, which is about five hours from where I live, drive. And so I stumbled in my car and drove to that free seminar. <laughs> and those of you who know what I'm talking about, because I'm giggling, it, it was a free seminar. And of course, they put out a call to action in the middle of that seminar that said, come work with me, Mark and Bob, who just changed your life reading that book. And all you got to pay is the very lowest price of $5,000 or up to 100000 So I uh, didn't have a lot of money at that time. So I raised my hand for 5000 which was the group coaching on the phone, by the way. We didn't have webinars then. It was tele-coaching. <laughs> this was in 2002 or so. So I raised my hand, but then I started walking back to the table and I realized something. I don't have $5,000. <laughs> I don't know why it took me that long to figure that out. I'm kidding. I probably did sort of think about it before I raised my hand. But I had to think about how I was going to get that 5000 before I made it to the back table with a credit card I didn't have. <laughs> so I contacted a friend who had some faith in me, who allowed me to put that 5000 on their credit card. And I offered 10% interest on top of their credit card payment. And they agreed. So I bought that program and it was, you know how you, you talk about just enough to be dangerous. You know, you watch people go, ah, oh, I'm learning real estate. I'm watching HGTV. <laughs> I'm learning real estate. I'm watching those YouTube videos. Yeah. They're so far from, from oh what is actually happening. It's, it's like a reality TV show for real estate. People think, you know, they watch those shows and they think that the numbers are correct. The timeline is right. Nothing. It's all fabricated. All wrong. <laughs> yes. And anyone could be a movie star on YouTube. So oh, yes. watch you know, whoever <laughs> and get the give anyway. Well, I had a little bit more than that. I did have Mark and Bob's program, which changed my life. Because the trajectory in my life anyway. It took me about because it was group coaching, there was no one to go to. Because you know, in real estate, I'm sure you agree and know this, every deal's a new deal. Absolutely. There's always something new. Exactly. And and since 2003, I'm gonna just say this now, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. You know, I, I, I throw out a number, but I've lost count. It's about 60 or so a year for the last several years. So hundreds. And so I know every deal is a new deal. I very seldom go, oh, that reminds me of that one. <laughs> so, you know, people can't watch YouTube videos and not have some sort of mentorship or expertise in front of them to turn to what's the best way to put this together. Like you've come up amazing way I just you know found out which is bringing in other investors and and being able to buy large projects and properties you know and bring in and creating a win-win for everybody to to enjoy the, the benefits well I had to figure out that on my own other than the group coaching calls and so I sent out handwritten letters at the time to people in pre-foreclosures knocked on doors did did what I could do bandit signs you know all the stuff people talk about to flip houses and it took about 11 months and I got a, a few other calls, but the one call came in that I wanted to hear where the guy said, can you come by my house? He actually said that. I mean, I still to this day don't get too many people actually using those words for a for sale by owner. I mean, online, but not a for sale by owner. Can you buy my house? I got your letter. He said he held on to it. And on the bottom of my letters, I would always put, I'm praying for you. And he said he put it in his drawer, tried to get out. Got out a couple of times. This was like four months he held on to the letter. So he called me. So I 
tried to figure out, went down to the taxes at that point, no, you know, not a lot of online information, figured out what it might be valued at, had to find a contract because again, I didn't have anybody handing me this stuff. So put, took my contract and my guesstimate of what the house might be worth, knocked on the guy's door. He creaked open the door and it was dark and smelled like cat urine. And I saw graffiti on the wall on the inside of the house. Oh, wow. But I went in and he had a, a box sitting in the middle of the room and welcomed me in. Those were the days that I, I guess today we wouldn't probably go in that. <laughs> no, we'll stay outside. Let's come out here and talk. Anyway, I went in and actually the guy was just really sad. So we sat down on the box and I asked a question. I always encourage other investors and everyone to ask when they're trying to negotiate or start a conversation about price, which is what do you want? You know, and, and he answered, I want 20,000 over my mortgage. Well, I did know his mortgage because I had gone down to tax records. So I'd already had my contract. I just put that number in there. It fit right into what I thought it was worth and had him sign the purchase contract. So my very first purchase agreement was signed. On the spot. On nice. the box in a smelly house that I, I had no idea what I was doing. And he shook my hand and then pulled the keys out of his pocket and said there was a car in the driveway. I could also have that. It didn't run. And hand me the keys to the house. This is how it went. I'm not kidding. No joke. Uh, handed me the keys to the house and said, I'm going to leave. You have my number. Call me when that $20,000 check's ready to pick up. He literally walked out the door and left me in that house with two sets of keys. And I had no idea how I was going to make this happen because I didn't have the money to buy the house. And now I had to do it because I promised this poor, sad man who'd been through this horrible situation that I was going to do it. So I did it kind of like with the Mark Victor Hansen, you know, with that thing, I'm going to figure it out. So guess what I did? called some friends. <laughs> Not for the money though, to fix up the house. Another mistake. I fixed up the house while I didn't own it. I stuck a for sale sign on the front lawn while I didn't own it. And guess what? I got an offer while I didn't own it. So I had taken the contract into title without a dollar. We don't do that, do we? We have to have a dollar to have the contract valid. Well, I took a contract in without a dollar on it. Nothing and fixed it up. And I actually sold the house before I owned it on a contract. So then I asked the title company back in the day, is there a way to use the money from the sale to buy the house? And they said, oh, yes, there is. It's called a double closing. So I learned a tactic or a way of making it happen that actually literally, when I say cost me no money, cost me no money. I closed on that house in 2003. I took a $80,000 check. I still have framed $80,000 check. I profited $67,000 on my very first flip using none of my own money and making a lot of mistakes. So that's how I got started. I was sold. I was it. I was all in. From there, I went and talked to builders, started getting in contracts on multiple deals because I figured out, hey, I don't really have to buy it. <laughs> I could make it happen with that. Interesting. So so that's basically how you you started it. You went through to that you started by reading a book, you picked up the book, you went to the free seminar and that inspired you, you know, you started you got coached and you you started basically buying real estate. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the asset. And of course, you know, I know that you invest in single family home. And usually on the show, we focus the first part of the interview on the asset. But instead of asking you about single family homes, I actually want to ask you about an asset that many people disregard as an asset, which is, you know, you, the investor in terms of 
seen an investor as an asset, how can someone identify what's their best talent or skill and kind of use those skills and talents to build wealth in, in real estate? And what was your talent that helped you build your wealth in real estate? True grit, <laughs> true grit. And I'm born entrepreneur. I've just always not taken direction well. So just be a rebellious person that is always looking for a better way and you'll be fine. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. Because I, I have worked with lots of different personality types. And if you're a person that enjoys working with other people and you're a people person, then you can do it with networking. And, and there are ways to uh, network like you have, like you do with other investors. Maybe you're not so much of a people person. So then you want to hire a virtual assistant to perhaps make, maybe you don't sound great on the phone. Maybe you don't enjoy that part. Another book I've read is called The Power of Focus. And it identifies that you really want to bring out your gifts and enjoy using those and hire and, and delegate those that you don't enjoy. So rather than trying to be Tamara, true grit, entrepreneur, you know, whatever, maybe you're shy. Does that mean you can't be a real estate investor? Maybe, maybe you've never ran a business in your entire life. Yes, you can. This is a business that I think if you can, I even, one of the people I remember working with once could, didn't own a computer and never typed on a computer. And I remember thinking, I'm, I'm going to tell him I can't help him because I do everything online now. Somebody asked me when I was talking about asking, telling him that perhaps he should find a coach that was better working offline. If he had quit on me, if he had told me he could, didn't want to work with me, and I said, no, I just am not sure I can, I'm the best coach or person to help him. So uh, they said, if he doesn't quit on you, you better not quit on him. So I ended up taking paper and writing down all the directions that I had online. Anyway, bottom line, he's one of the best. He actually ended up, I think he's bought 20 houses since we did that. And I, one of my requirements was that he would go get lessons on computers and get a laptop. I mean, how, how can someone, you know, if there's a lot of investors or, or aspiring investors that want to get into real estate, how can they find their talent or skill? How can they actually know which part they want to focus? And like you said, the other part, just hire or outsource to someone else. Well, I think, as I mentioned, it's important that you find it could be just at a local RIA or you could pay a big you know, coach, but you need a mentor. And in meeting with a mentor you, together, you can identify your strengths and weaknesses in the area of real estate. I guess you say the area is a funding, right? Maybe you got money, but you have no people skills. <laughs> Maybe you got people skills and you got no money. Whatever it is that you're lacking in, you and your mentor should work together on discovering the best path, best path for you. And somebody is sometimes asking others that look um, from the outside in are, are the best people to ask, I think. Mm -hmm. And you can't All always right. go by how you feel because you might feel like you're not good with people or that you maybe you think money is stopping you when you, you and I both know, because you know, and I know money is not the stopping point. That's absolutely not. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's absolutely true. It's not the the thing that stops you. It's limiting beliefs that that stop you actually. So I want to talk a little bit about the process of flipping single family homes like you've done. Can you talk to me about the process of how you are able to flip as much as five, you know, homes every month? Because you got to have a pretty robust process in place if you're able to do it over and over again and you know in in such a large quantity because we're talking about 50 or 60 homes a year so what is the process that you're using 
there's different processes for different parts of it. So it's not always a, I wish, you know, real estate was black and white. This is the answer. Go yeah. Ahead. But I will tell you that, of course, as I mentioned, my first year was handwriting letters and knocking on doors. So over the years, for those of you just starting out that might be listening, don't think you're just going to go flip five houses a month starting tomorrow. But over the years, I've been able to build a team of people. I have five crews for, for rehabs. I have two full-time W-2 employees. I have an office that I never go to. <laughs> and then I have multiple virtual assistants that do a lot of the areas that I need. I have a direct mail. Let's just talk direct mail. One aspect. I said, I have, I have a company that sends my direct mail. I actually send up to eight pieces to a person until they, you know, they tell me to go away sooner that when somebody calls it, it just kind of gets them to call and then it grabs their phone number and it goes into a system online. So now we have a phone number and an address because it, it pulls it together. So I've over, just in the last three years, I've been using that particular system, over 4,500 leads in there. So then I have VAs and people that call for me to set those appointments up. Sometimes I just have to drop an email. You can do lease options via just email. I do flipping houses. I do hold on to some. I just decide on the exit strategy after I get the lead to decide what's going to be best for that client. I focus on for sale by owners and going into expired listings if they're interested in, in a lease option. That's actually a really good exit strategy in the market that we're heading into right now. It's something you mm -hmm. could do in any market. And then when we're talking about the strategy and you mentioned an exit strategy before, what is your exit strategy if you have any? I mean, do you, obviously when you flip, that is a very defined, you know, it's one area where how you can basically exit. Why flip? Why not buy and hold? That's a good question. Because, okay, so if I have a property that's like, I just did one this week. I bought it. Yes, you can buy still a property for $100,000, 110. I had to pay a referral fee. A lot of my deals come from other people. I have a lot of bird dogs out there. I have a, a idea for somebody might be to go down to where there's tax sales right now. And you might not be buying on the tax sale because you don't have the 500,000 millions of dollars in your cashier's check in your back pocket that those people standing down there too. So you get to know the people with the money and you find out what they're looking for and then you go look for it. Very easy. So that's just one simple strategy, but really it comes down to people skills. And then what happens is, so like in this case, I got that property for 110 and I threw it out to a couple of other investors in the area and said, if you can just give me, and I sold, I actually bought it. It's not even an assignment. I'm happy to fix it, flip it. And I had to get rid of a tenant. It would have took me about four or five months or keep it and rent it. And if I kept it and rent it and, and fixed it, I might make a couple hundred dollars a month if I decided, because I don't like cash sitting, I would probably refi. I don't like cash sitting in my houses. I want to take that money and turn it into something else. So What's going to be being the biggest bang for my buck? Well, in this case, getting $20,000 in my pocket because it would take a lot of years to hold on to that property and get that same out of that little bit of 100000 So that's how I determined that exit strategy. So if it's a property that isn't so, you know, I'm going to make more 50000 on a two fifty, dollars or, you know, depends on what I'm going to make. 
over the period of time. Time is money. So absolutely. Like I bought a triplex recently and I had intended to needed everything, tended to fix it and actually sell it. And I'm getting 3,300. I paid 280, put about 30 into it and I'm getting $3,300 a month in rent. So I'm keeping it. So you just kind of just do what makes sense. Yeah. So there's no one, one size fits all. It's you're basically looking into different deals and whatever makes sense at that point. That's, that's basically your exit strategy. There's like, I have 27 of them literally that I help people with. This is why you need a mentor. I met a guy last week, his house has been on the market for, he's a he, call. I thought he was a for sale by owner. I found out he'd been on the market and was almost ending. And he's asking a reasonable price, but isn't really willing. It's not going to be discounted enough for someone like me. And there's no cap, good cap rate for any kind of rental. So that would be a lease option. Because for a lease option, I can give him about, I can give him probably, well, he was going to walk away with about 300 if he sold his house. I'm going to give him 365 in a year on a lease option. So, gee, $65,000 more in a monthly amount. And I don't have to worry about fixing and flipping and being a land, I mean, fixing and being a, a landlord. Lease options are a good way to go for people who aren't quite low enough for a flip. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, we are at the lightning round questions. Tamara, thank you so much for the information you provided us so far. So we have a quick five questions. First one, what's your favorite hobby? Horses. I trail ride now. I used to do it competitively and obviously breed and stuff. Now I just, I bought, I took on a horse that is blind in one eye and is an excellent trail riding horse. And I do that regularly throughout the week. So. All right. Well, what's the one thing that people don't know about you? I don't, you know, I'm sorry. I, I did I hard one. asked that before. I, I am so transparent that I, I really can't think of any, I'm just trying to think. I have freckles. <laughs> I mean, in person, you might see that. Oh, I know what you don't know, how old I am. Oh, how old are you? I'm 57. 57. All you know, right. My, my dad knows that, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't confess that to very many people. I'm going to live to be 120 though. So I'm only halfway there. <laughs> That's a spirit. All right. What do you wish you had known when you started out? I wish I would have known that. I think I always thought that life was supposed to be easier. And I felt a little victimized by the hardships. And I think I see that a lot in people today where it's like, how come, why me? The why me mentality. Well, I have news for you. It's why everybody, because life happens to everybody. So my, you know, I wish I'd have known that younger than I would have stopped feeling frustrated a lot and just enjoy what comes good and deal with isn't always easy. All right. Well said. What's your number one advice to real estate investors who want to scale their real estate business? You know what I'm going to say, because I've been saying it. Get a mentor. Get somebody who's doing it successfully, not just somebody who's watching HGTV and, and have and, and find deals for them or something, you know, get them to help you out a little bit if you don't have the money or pay somebody that you know is good. All right, Tamara, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge. I definitely learned a lot. If any of our listeners want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Uh, you can go to TamaraAragon.com, T-A-M-E-R-A-A-R-A-G-O-N.com. If they want to pick up a free thing, I have like a 30-day little email stuff, R-E-I, 
Posse, P-O-S-S-E dot com. That's R-E-I-Posse.com. And you could be part of my posse. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.